Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 1, Episode 2. Hear ye, hear ye. We have news from far and wide. Draw forward, friends. Gather around and soak up what is new in the world of the dungeon and the dragon. Listen to us speak most eloquently about 1D&D, all things Dragonlance, miraculous minis, and all of the upcoming D&D manuals. Then learn how we put the fun in fungeon and the dun in dungeon. All right, everybody, uh, we are back. It's uh, It's been uh, what, almost uh, almost two weeks since we last chatted. Yeah. Episode yeah. two, baby. Woot, woot, woot. Uh, so last episode, we talked about what we want to talk about this episode. And we chose to talk about some new stuff that's coming out and everything. And boy, did we pick the perfect time for this. Yeah, man. It, it's been a big week. A lot of stuff out there. So one of the things on my list, Jim, was wanting to talk about the one D&D stuff, which is just like all over the place right now. Is that cool? Yeah. And I know nothing about it. So I'm excited to hear all about this. <laughs> that's awesome. It's cool. So just really quickly for those of you out there and Jim, who are not too clear on what one D&D is, um, like for the last few years, uh, Wizards of the Coast, the owners of D&D, they've been really trying to get people to call D&D just D&D, not a release name. Because we always say like, you know, it's what are you, I play like 3.5 or I've been playing 5e and people don't really refer to what they're playing as D&D. They might say D&D, but they'll immediately say the release name. So they've been trying to get it just to be calling it a, a name, like, you know, D&D. What they want to do is there is a new version, and they use new version very loosely coming out, and um, they're calling it, this new direction, they're calling it 1D&D. And, um, and when I say 1, it's O-N-E, like the number 1, not to win, but O-N-E, 1D&D. We're all probably going to call it 5.5 or 6E because yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you play the game, you... you, you and you talk to somebody, you want to know what version they play, because it's a different game depending on what you play, right? Yeah, and you can't give yourself a nickname kind of thing, you know? <laughs> We're going to call it whatever we call it. <laughs> That's not That's, up to them. You've totally got it right, Jim. Because um, if I talk to somebody and say, hey, yeah, I play D&D, and they say, yeah, me too, and I say, oh, cool, what are you playing? And if they say, We're playing AD&D, and I'm playing 5E, like, like we said last time, role-playing is all the same, but the mechanics are a world apart. And right away, I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. And, and you, you would talk about different things. So you can't really just talk about this whole thing as just being D&D because, you know, there's different versions. Anyways, they are. So, yeah, new version is kind of what they're saying. But I uh, don't want everyone to freak out and panic because they're saying it's completely backwards compatible with 5e. OK, so, I mean, that goes back like almost 10 years worth of modules and books. Um they are going to revise the rule books, the core rule books, Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual. So we'll see new books of those, but they're just going to be, what they're saying is really tidying up what exists and, and clarifying some things and adding to stuff. They keep talking about the big thing being they want to add stuff. They don't want to change stuff because they understand that 5e has really hit with everybody. People like 5e as a play version. They don't want to lose that. They just want to add more stuff to it. So that's kind of what they're saying. Um, there are going to be a couple other things happening. So in a, an official, they're calling an official digital tool set, which is they acquired D&D Beyond. And so D, if anyone's ever used D&D Beyond, cool. yeah, if anyone's ever used D&D Beyond, they have interactive character sheets that you can use, right? So that's by getting that. But the other big thing for, for um, Wizards of the Coast D&D is that they have hardcover manuals and they don't have them in digital format. D&D Beyond does. So by pairing up with them, all of a sudden, all of their stuff is going to become digital now, right? Which it is already if you subscribe to D&D Beyond. So that's the big win for them. And uh, the other thing they're saying is going to be released is a virtual tabletop. So they, if you go online, you can look look up one D&D and you can see some of the stuff and they'll show you. And it's like a 3D world where you can pick up what looks like a little mini figure with a base and everything. And as you move it on the table, the virtual table, it'll show how many feet you're moving and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure they'll have stuff for spell radius and all those kind of things. And it looks like a very, it's done in uh, tilt shift photography. So it's like blurry at the top and the bottom and it makes it look like a miniature world. Uh, it's like you're looking at a video game, a 3D video game, and that's 
where you could play virtually. Um, I think the pandemic has made everyone realize a lot of stuff's done virtually. So they're kind of digging in a bit into the virtual world. So those are kind of the main things. Um, now, what I want to say and what they keep pushing heavily is that it isn't a new version in the sense of throw everything away. It's a continuation of what exists. And I'll say right now, they're not saying a release for this. It, it's not till 2024. Oh, okay. Wow. But what they're doing in that meantime, and it was released on D&D Beyond um, yesterday, I think, or yesterday, the day before, is that they've got playtesting. They're calling the playtesting Unearthed Arcana. So it's a throwback to the old AD&D book. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to have a release. I think they're saying every month it's a new tool set. And you can either go there and download the PDF from D&D Beyond. Or if you have an account, you can add it to your account for free. And you'll just have it all built into your D&D Beyond account. And the idea is that you play test the new rules and stuff that they have in there and the things they're adding to it. And then there's a feedback form at the end of the month. And you can fill out the feedback form of what you thought about these new things. They want to take all that, compile it all, and then they will review it and make decisions based on what user feedback was as to what they'll put into these new book releases in 2024. Oh, cool. So I think it's a good thing. Um, you know me, Jim. What I just told you, that's more research than I've done in years. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big reader guy. Like, I have played this game for so long. Um, I rely on my players most of the time for the mechanics of the game more than me. Like, I'm about the story and whatever, and having fun and role-playing. The mechanics of it so much is not a big thing for me. Um, so I'm not super stoked on having tons of stuff to read. <laughs> but I will I will look at it and go through it because I do appreciate that they're asking for user feedback on it. That's kind of cool. So if anyone's interested, go to D&D Beyond. You can look it up. There's a, the first version of their Unearthed Arcana um, uh, playtesting is available right now. You can download just the PDF if you want. Or if you subscribe to D&D Beyond, which is free, you can get it added to your account and then it's just baked right into your stuff. So yeah, that, they've been doing Unearthed Arcana for a while. They have done. I mean, that Early. yeah. Mm -hmm. They totally have, right? Yeah, like um, you know, everyone says that the ranger is a is a weak class, and they updated the ranger class a few years back and added new stuff to it. So it's really that's what they're trying to do. All of that stuff that they've been doing, or they've been adding stuff like that. This sounds to be like a continuation of that. Thoughts? What do you think, Jim? Uh well, one thing I want to say, uh, D and D Beyond, I uh, I fought tooth and nail about not doing. I hated the idea of thinking doing it on my iPad and. It's like, no, I'm going to be pen and paper forever, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I love D&D Beyond. It's honestly, it's great. <laughs> and I like that I can have it on my phone because um, when I ran Curse of Strahd, I had the entire book on my phone. So if you're waiting yeah. on your lunch break or wherever, right, you can do some DM prep on the go. So yeah, like, that cool. was pretty cool. It is. Um, when, uh, we were playing 3.5 uh, a few years back. It's probably about five years ago now. Um, we started using a online tool called fight club and it's kind of like D and D beyond to keep track of stuff. What I loved about it is I was a barbarian in that campaign, uh, Bucky, Bucky, the barbarian. Um, and, um, in three, five, when you are, when you rage in three, five as a barbarian, there's so much happens and so many things are affected. Unlike five E, which they made it very simple. Three, five, so many things changed. And what was nice about the fight club is you could toggle um, like situational things where if I toggled them immediately, my stats would go up and this would go up and that would change and, and this would go down. So I, I could program it to hit those. So I, I kind of fell in love with that as a barbarian. It made it very simple to keep track of going into rage or out of rage. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still love rolling dice and I still love my character sheets. Um, but I, uh, I find like D and D beyond's great. Um, my DM in our middle earth campaign, he uses it, and you've probably done this too, Jim, where everybody is in on a group. So when I roll, everyone sees my roll, right? And so when someone else in the group rolls, we see their roll as well. And so it's it's because we're not in the same room as well. It's really nice to be able to see that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they've done a great job. And of course, Wizards figured that out and uh, they've acquired, merged, whatever the, the slang logo, the lingo is for that. Uh, they are part of D&D uh, &D now. And yeah. Um, what I'm interested in and what I find a bit of a frustration is that I own so many manuals, as do you. I can see them all behind you on the wall. Um, I find it frustrating to go to D&D Beyond and have to rebuy the manuals. Like that is a little bit of a peeve of mine. They're not as expensive as the, the hardcover manuals, but, you know, if you want to have access to some of those things on D&D Beyond, you have to buy them. So I'm wondering now that they have merged 
going forward, if you buy the book, will there be like a coupon or a code or something you punch in to be able to get it on D&D Beyond? Well, uh, the new Dragonlance module actually has that. It's the first book that they're doing a, a package deal where, oh, you can get the, where you can get the book and the um, digital pre-order. So and it's a yeah, little bit cheaper by doing it together. So. Yeah, that's cool. So there you go. So they hopefully will be doing more and more of that. So they should do a they should do a rollback and let you have all the books that we have personally. But whatever, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, that is one D and D. That's kind of the info that I picked up this week. There's like I said, there's so much of it going on out there. Um. There, there's some people getting a little bent out of shape on things immediately. Like um, they said, like one of the rules that they're putting forth is that a nat twenty is a nat is an automatic success, and a nat one is an automatic failure. And they said they heard that from players because almost all campaigns use that in their campaigns. But by the rules, it doesn't say that. So they're looking at changing the rules. And so some people were getting frustrated because they said, well, that's not how we play it. That's, I said, well, don't play it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, big deal. Don't don't use it. Um, I think the, uh, what is it? There's five or six um, worlds of magic right now. I think that's what it is. They're talking about taking it down to three. To Again, a lot of simplification stuff. Uh, Chris Perkins, who's been with, you know, D&D for a long time, um, he's going to be working on the DM's guide. And he said his ultimate goal is to make it much easier to use, especially for, say, somebody who's new to the game. They can then hopefully figure out how to use the Dungeon Master's Guide a lot easier than what it is. And, and I get that. DM's guides have always been heavy, confusing, a lot to understand. So he wants to simplify that. So anyways, that, that their goal is to make it better and to add as opposed to kind of tear it all down and give you a whole new version to learn. And you can still use all the other books. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how they do the um, digital tabletop. I don't think I'd ever use it. Like I'm maybe a couple times, but honestly, I just have too much terrain and like, same as you, right? Like we, we love our I tabletop mean, terrain. I'd rather just use cameras and me too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If you go and watch the video from um, Wizards, uh, they actually show you some demo stuff they've got for it. It looks really cool, but I don't know. I, I think they're just realizing a lot of people play online now, so why not? Um, but we played, you know, two and a half years of our campaign during the pandemic all online, and we used, like you said, all our terrain and had cameras set up, and it worked just fine. Yeah. So, it, you know. The only thing, and then the other thing I find with that too, is, you know, there's going to be a paywall, right? Exactly. Oh, the, right. the walls pack for two ninety nine, exactly. the goblins pack. And like, yeah. it's like, man, I have 40 goblin minis. I don't need to be buying digital ones that live inside my computer. I want real goblins, not fake ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, uh, the other stuff sounds pretty cool. And uh, the, the, like I said, they're really stressing they're really putting out the olive branch to, to make it sound like they're not shaking everybody's world upside down. So, so <laughs> yeah. that's cool. All right. I think that's enough talk about um, um, one D&D, but um, we have a few other things on our list. And I think the next one is very close to my good friend's heart here. I think we want to talk a little bit about the new novel, right? The, uh, the uh, what's it called, Jim? The um, uh, Dragons the, of Deceit. I thought it was the Goblins of Love. <laughs> no okay sorry i got i was confused <laughs> yeah it's cool i i actually did a quick look before we started chatting um and from what i could see i think this is the first book that they have done uh margaret weiss and tracy hickman since 2009 uh, dragons of the uh, hourglass mage i think was the last book they collaborated on in the dragonland series so it's been what's that's like 13 years yeah that's crazy. Yeah, it I never didn't happen too. Yeah, like, right. About all the lawsuit stuff and it was crazy. I'm glad they got it figured out. But yeah, uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, looks, like I haven't started it yet. I have the audiobook, but uh, the main protagonist is a daughter of the Knights of Salamia, or a Knight of Salamia, and then Desti sounds like she Destina Rosenthorn. Rosenthorn. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, sounds like she messes a little bit with time travel to change the outcome of Kryn and. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, we see some old uh, characters there. Yeah, it's cool because it's it's post-war of the Lances, which is kind of cool. And and not giving anything away, it's not a spoiler, but I, like I read the uh, the dust cover jacket thing, and it talked about her uh, losing a family member and wanting to go back in time to the War of the Lances to 
try and, and stop that or something. And I think it said in there too, again, not, it's not a spoiler. It's right in the dust jacket, like the thing you read about it, that she needs to get an item to do that from somebody by the name of Tasselhoff, uh, furry foot or something. I can't remember. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> my, one of my, one of my favorite characters. Um, so that's really cool. They're going to tie it to some of our old, uh, our old characters, which is really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm then that, that makes sense. Cause, uh, Tasselhoff, yeah, he time traveled in the, in that one Dragonlance book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he tends to acquire items. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Very excited. Yeah. The other thing I read too, uh, uh, Margaret was saying in an interview that a lot of the places that they're visiting in, in the book is, uh, uh, based on Dragonlance modules. That's cool. So like old fans will be able to recognize them. And so that's pretty sweet. The back of the book has a, a little uh, blurb says, I love Dragonlance and I love Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Plain and simple. Their books are my favorite fantasy series of all time. I love the stories and ideas, but most of all, I love the characters. Why do we all feel like we know them? They are what spurred me to start working for D&D and what inevitably inspired me to pursue a career in show running. Do you know who said that? Joe Manganiello? Yeah, he did. <laughs> that's our boy, Joe. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, who's your favorite Dragonlance character? Boy, um, toss up. Uh, it's um, between Tannis and uh, Taz. They're my favorites. Oh, awesome. You like that goofy wizard. Raceland and Lord Soth, man. Those are my two. <laughs> <laughs> um, as someone who I have a lot of respect for and absolutely love the character. And I, I mean, the original, the original book came out in 84, if I remember correctly. So if we say something that's a spoiler, we're talking like almost 40 years ago. So if you've not read them by now, like that's, that's not my on problem. You. That's on you. <laughs> but Sturm, Brightblade, loved that character. Like he was so cool. Like I always, the, the twisting of his mustache, they, they wrote him so beautifully. Like I just really envisioned him in my mind. And um, again, like, am I, can we do spoilers? Like, are we allowed to say spoiler? What, what? Uh, I don't know, man. There's probably a lot of people just getting into Dragonlance because of this. So, yeah. Anyways, Sturm storyline messed me up. Like I really got messed up. So oh, when he became that death knight, that was crazy. I know. And, and that like, I couldn't believe his big toe turned green. Like that yeah. was crazy, right? Like insane, yeah. insane. So much, so much crazy stuff happens with him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, phenomenal books. If you guys, if anyone hasn't read them and I know we're, we're throwing out little jibes and stuff here because they were written almost 40 years ago, but pick up, you know, those, that first series, like, oh my God, that is such a great set of books. It's just so, so well done. So beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and this, uh, the Dragons of Deceit, this is yep. one of the, a new trilogy. Which is great. I don't know if they know how to write books that aren't trilogies. I think it's like a disease or something. That's fine. <laughs> cool. Uh, what do you think? Are we, uh, we are okay to move on to our next topic? Yeah, that's all I got on the new book. I haven't started it yet, so maybe... I picked Maybe it next up. time I'll have more to say about it. <laughs> I, I've read a couple of the pages. That's about it so far. So I've not read much either. So yeah, we'll we'll revisit this and give people an update. Okay, next is uh, still in the Dragonlance world. We're going to talk about uh, the Shadow of the Dragon Queen, a new D and D manual and stuff coming out, right? Yeah. Oh, that looks so good. The um, collectors like the foil art version. It's Lord Soth. Oh yeah, God, you like him so lots, good. don't you? And I think with that version we were chatting the other day about this, um, it's going to have the uh, the foil version cover of the manual, uh, a DM screen, and the board game Warriors of Kryn, which I know you're excited about. Yeah, it's supposed to, uh, so you can do like, mili- it's like a military game that you can do mm. the Dragon War with. Um, it supposedly goes with the adventure module, so you can oh, like, cool. so they'll tell they'll talk about a dragon battle, and then you play the board game to see how that battle comes That's out cool. in our last campaign i did something similar to that in our big epic battle um when the players were trying to get into where the big bad evil guy was um i had uh, a cargo net above my table and i had telescopic pens and i had dragons taped to the bottom of the pens i had good dragons and bad dragons and we had an aerial dragon fight so you could move the pen up and down and then back and forth so you could move three dimensionally in the air so there was a dragon war going up top and on the bottom 
I created a whole card game and I had all these laminated cards and they had a battle of good guys versus the bad guys on a battlefield. And all that went on while the players were trying to sneak into the thing. And so it was kind of almost like having like three games going at once. It was so much fun. And uh, this sounds a little bit like that kind of blending the things together, which is pretty cool. Oh, I love that, man. It's so it's cool. cool. Um, one thing I did also uh, read that it sounds like that Lord Soth like has a uh, draconian army in this module, mm-hmm. which That's cool. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, though, because in the books, he was never like a general for Tachesis. Yeah. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, Tachesis is the Kryn's version of Tiamat. It's a dragon queen, five-headed. She lives yep. in the abyss, trying sweet, to get to the mortal plane. Sweet lady. Gr- great. Sweet lady. Just a sweet old lady. Yeah. <laughs> great personality. <laughs> yeah. So I know that that's kind of weird. I'm sure that they have a reason for doing that. But I mean, yeah. like, of course, I love that. Like, because Lord Soth, he had his skeleton army in the yeah. books. Yeah, yeah. The uh, release date uh, that I picked up was November 22nd. If you order through D&D Beyond, just like we are talking a few minutes ago, and you'd mentioned, Jim, the digital release, will, I think, is uh, November 22nd. And the book will be in uh, stores on December 6th. And you can pre-order now if you want on D&D Beyond. Two days before my birthday. Happy birthday, Jim. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> And uh, you wanted to talk about uh, the minis a bit, didn't you? I just saw a picture. Um, looks super dope. There's a dragon rider. Appears to be on like a black dragon. Just like looks so evil. Um, giant purple leafed tree monster thing. Looks so rad. No idea what that is. <laughs> no idea. Um, skeleton and badass armor riding a horse. Kind of has a Lord Sauce army kind of thing going on. So that's super yeah. cool. Um, there's a Kender I saw, Knight of Salamia, a Mage of High Sorcery, and a Draconian. So, how many? How many in that kit? Do you remember? I think there's 42 altogether. It's just like the booster packs, right? Okay. So you're just it's a four random ones every time. Oh, they're doing it. It's that same thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I don't want to alarm you, but uh, that ghost I was talking about in our session zero. I think it's right behind you. Sean, look out. Ah! Fantasy Factoid. Hey, guys. You know I love Dragonlance. Did you know that there's over 190 Dragonlance books you can read? Oh, Sean, I cannot believe you killed that ghost. That was crazy. Oh, my God, dude. Wild. Dude, I am actually really quite adept at working with pencil erasers, and uh, I've had some good success with them. So, you know. I took them out. That uh, that eraser is enchanted. Uh, yes, it's a plus three eraser of darkness. Oh, cool, man. Anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, some other cool mates coming out. I saw the uh, WizKids uh, Icons of the Realms Classic Monsters collection. They got the classic Beholder. Looks so awesome. And then like the Cockatrice, Charmira, uh, the Boulette. Never have enough um, Beholders, right? No. And it's like the classic, it's the big ugly one. Like it looks awful, (laughs) but like, I love it. Just the nostalgia. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. And then the other cool me I just want to talk about is the new Loth mini that came out. This is like a couple months ago now, but really high detailed. It's really expensive for one mini, but it looks so badass if you're running a campaign with her in it, like Mm -hmm. it's a must have or just a, it's a beautiful shelf piece too. So that's cool. Um, minis, this isn't new, um, but the other day in our group chat, um, somebody, I don't know if you saw that or not, but they posted up a, uh, mini that's a 3d printed STL file mini, and it looks so much like Strider sitting in a prancing pony when he's kind of leaning back in the chair, leg stretched out, pipe in his hand, hood down. Oh dude, I fell in love with this. I'm going to have to certainly find out what it is. Cause I would love to get, uh, our good friend, uh, Dustin at Kings Valley Forge to print it out. Uh, and I would love to make a little mini diorama out of it for personal use. So anyways, oh, cool. got me talking about minis, just made me think about it. So yeah, I'll do some research tonight. See if I can find who does that. It's sick. It's so cool. It's a beautiful looking little mini, but anyways. Oh, cool. Any other mini stuff or is that, are we minied out? Uh, I mean, I could talk about minis for <laughs> the next two hours. So, but no, that's all the stuff I had for this episode. <laughs> 
we probably should do an episode on minis, like history, <laughs> history. No, seriously, like the history of minis and uh, mini collections, um, you know, and, uh, and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, I think that'd be a really good little episode. Why pewter's the best. How awesome 3D <laughs> printing is. There's all sorts of stuff we could talk about. Yeah. And the day the light went off for me and realized that pre-painted minis are pretty damn awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I also, um, like I said, it's been a really big week and uh, some other stuff came out and it's the other upcoming D&D releases, other books. So I'm just going to fire through these uh, and um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through each one of them and maybe we just briefly chat about each one. I don't know if you've heard much about these, but um, in the uh, Keys from the Golden Vault, it's a winter release, and it's a complete manual. It's a D&D anthology adventure book, and it's all based around heists. They're saying kind of think of like Ocean's Eleven. It's that kind of idea, and it's all heists, a uh, book on heists. So that sounds pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of games, that's a neat thing to bring into them. Bigby presents Glory of the Giants. This is spring of 2023. And so it's a whole book focusing on giants. Gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I'm not going to get that. I'm so sick of giants in D&D. <laughs> Speaking of minis, like every mini set had like three or four giants. Like I've, I have more giants than I'll ever know what to do with. You have a giant size collection of giants. Yeah. It's a giant problem. <laughs> so that's a giant no for me for that book. <laughs> All right. I'll make a note of that. Don't buy that for Jim for Christmas or his birthday. Okay. Uh, summer 2023, the book of many things. Uh, it's a collection of creatures, locations, and it's all tied to the deck of many things. Well, that sounds um, cool. It does sound cool. I also want to kind of say, I, I honestly feel like they're just trying to like flog as much stuff as they can. I hate to say that. And it's really cool to have all this stuff, but I mean, Man, it's like book, 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 and it's just crazy. But anyways, which is also really interesting is how much of this stuff is going to be this new one D&D or is it all going to be still just 5e? Like I find that interesting. Anyways, they say it all works together. Uh, there is another book in summer of 2023 called The Fandelver Campaign, and it's the full campaign expanding on the lost mine of Fandelver, that little starter kit. Uh, I never actually played that, um, but I know other people have, and they said they enjoyed it, especially for new people. Yeah, I um, played it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Did you? So this expands it and turns it into a full campaign uh, leading off from that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and the last one I have down on here is uh, Planescape. And Planescape came out, I believe, in the 90s. I never played it. We were doing uh, Middle Earth at that point. But in the fall of 2023, they're calling it the biggest release of 2023. It's going to be a three book uh, in a slipcase, and it's going to have a settings guide, a bestuary, and an adventure book. So it's all in the, the whole thing of Planescape is being able to jump from plane to plane to plane and all that kind of stuff, right? So those are the books that are coming out in the future from Wizards of the Coast. That's a lot of books. Cool. Yeah. I'll be uh, too busy running my uh, Dragonlance to uh, probably play any of those other ones, but <laughs> Jim is shut off, man. They said Dragonlance, and he's like, "What?" And that's it. Your brain just stopped. You do not. You don't even anything I've just said. You didn't even hear any of that. I I like to think I had a part to do with all this Dragonlance stuff coming out. I've been pushing it for years, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. I I have to be honest. I'm actually kind of surprised it took so long. Um, you know, I have, and I've, you do too. Original uh, Dragonlance uh, manual from um the old AD&D stuff. Uh, we played Dragonlance back in the day. Um, and like I said, in our campaign right now, and I know you guys heard this last uh, episode, um, we have a Kender in our episode who's actually related to Taz because it's our own homebrew world. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dragonlance and uh, I think it's kind of funny. So many people are so excited about it. You know, um, well, like I said, the back of the book, Joe Manganello has a little quote on there and Joe absolutely loves uh, Dragonlance, and um, I was very fortunate enough to do a um, in of the last home model, full a uh, large mini size model. The thing's like a couple of feet tall for uh, Jim here, and uh, Mr. Manganello happened to see that and commissioned me to build one for him. So I had a number of conversations with him about uh, Dragonlance, and he's very excited about it. He has all like Jim; he has all the original lead minis that he's going to display in it and stuff. So it's really cool. So I think it's weird to me that it's taken this long for it to come out. Anyways, it's coming out, and that's the main thing, and that's all good. Yeah. Uh, with Kenders, I was going to ask you, so in the new, so this isn't like official from the book, but 
They did some Unearth Arcana stuff for the Dragonlance, just kind of put some feelers yeah. out there. And so Kender, the in the class, instead of stealing everything as Kenders are known to do, yeah, they have like a like a pouch of random items or like a where just like random things come out. What I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't mind it. Uh, I, I actually because Kenders have a lot of stuff on them. They just do. And even in the old AD and D books, there was a random table of stuff that Kenders had uh, in it just on their being right because uh, it just added something to the game. They could always pop their hand in and pull something out. Um, for my homebrew, I have a table that I created that I go to all the time that, cause in my, our game, um, cat, um, she's always taking stuff from people borrowing. And, and so when somebody figures that out, I have about eight go-to things like, Oh, you dropped it. And I picked it up for you. Oh, I didn't know you didn't want it anymore. Oh, I, I was just watching it for you. So I have a whole bunch of these things that she says dependent on what she feels uh, the situation requires mm-hmm. uh, from acquiring people's stuff. Uh, but no, I think it's kind of cool that they have that um, because they do acquire stuff. And, and when we talk about that, it doesn't have to be anything of any quality or any good. Like it can be buttons. It can be a rock. It can be anything, right? Like Kendra's just, they're basically their hoarders. Yeah. I think they did that to kind of stop people from being all pissed off at the table that a kid or a player is stealing from another player. Well, they better still have that because you know, I mean, I, I'm saying you can have that bag of things as well as <laughs> like mm-hmm. not yeah, only. It's a candor. They they steal. That's, that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do, man. Like you have to remember, like a kender has no fear. They, they, their species does not understand what fear is. So for me, like, honestly, the kender is probably my favorite race in Dungeons and Dragons. It always has been. I, I love playing a kender and um, because they have no fear and they're like almost like childlike. And so in a game, they're so much fun because they put the party in such horrible situations because they'll go and touch the thing. They'll go put the crown on their head. They will go and do whatever because they have no fear, right? They don't understand that. And and it's hard. And we saw in our campaign, a couple of the players were having a hard time because they were a little bit more staunch. And it's like, why is this little freak running around doing all this stuff all the time? And of course the players knew, but the characters didn't know. And it had to be pointed out to them by one of the other characters that these little people don't have fear. Like they don't know they're, it's not their fault. They're just, they're having fun. They're doing what they do. So, yeah. And I think it's awesome that you have that, uh, NPC in our homebrew for that, because, uh, it's a good way for you to keep us on the rails, you know, <laughs> start weaving off too much. If he needs to do something that Kender goes and touches the thing. And that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> for any of you guys out there, uh, guys or gals that are thinking about, um, becoming a DM and we're going to have a whole episode on DM tips and stuff, but, um, I'm a firm believer that especially in the early parts of the game, it's great to bring an NPC to the group and introduce them and have them befriended. And then the DM can have a bit of a say in what's going on with the party. And that can also just be more tips and pointed them out and helping them out in tough situations when they can't figure things out. And it's not the DM saying you should do this. It's actually another one of the members of the party who's an NPC saying, Hey, what about this? And it just helps give a little direction to things. Um, especially if you're playing with characters who haven't played before, it becomes almost like essential to do something like that, I think. So yeah, and then anyway. once they're a beloved uh, member of the party, then you backstab them in the middle of the night, make your players paranoid for the rest of the campaign. <laughs> that didn't that didn't happen in my last campaign. No, that didn't happen, but it it, it, ha- it did happen. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um some other quick things I wanted to chat about was uh what did come out just recently was the spell jammer stuff. There's been a big buzz about spell jammer. Uh, Spelljammer was big back in the 80s in um, the AD&D world, and uh, it was the ability to have ships that are helmed by high-level magic users that can send them all over the place. So not so much planar movement, but from different worlds kind of thing. Uh, and it is in space. D&D uh, in space. That's right. D&D in space. So I mean, what's cool about that to me is it does give a very good understanding, and we talked a little about this before, about how you could go from my world of Ardnor that the players could travel to Kryn to a Dragonlance realm or to Forgotten Realms or to wherever you want to send them to. And this is a good explanation of how you get there. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, we have a, uh, they've just released a campaign collection, they call it. It's a, an adventure, a setting and a monster book. It also comes with a map and a DM screen. Uh, that's just out right now. And um I know in our uh, Patreon group, the Pink Foam Brigade, there was a couple of members that were super excited about it. Uh, and we did a whole summer side project and a number of us are making spell jammer ships. And that's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. 
Yeah, those look amazing. I can't wait to see them all finished up. It's going to be neat. And you know what? The great thing about it is you make this really fun ship and then you can pop it into your game somewhere, right? So that's the cool yeah. thing. Do you see that giant uh, Dreadnought me that they are releasing with that Spelljammer stuff? No, I haven't. Looks awesome. I'm, I don't, I'm not like a huge Spelljammer guy, but one of my DMs is obsessed with these, an old school guy. And they release or they announced Spelljammer and Dragonlance on the same day, like a long time ago. And um, I promised him I'd buy that mini so he could use it in one of our campaigns. So I guess I'm buying it. <laughs> I was so excited from the Dragonlance high that I was like, man, I'll buy that mini so you can use Whatever, it. man. Yeah. Sure, what do you want? I'll get anything. <laughs> yeah. So it looks really cool. But yeah, it's it's a monster. It's huge. That is so cool. All right, Jim, I have one last thing I want to touch on. Um, and uh, this is a bit of a critical role stuff. Um, first of all, for anyone out there, out there who doesn't know what Critical Role is, it's an online D&D show on Twitch and YouTube. It's where a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors get together and play Dungeons and Dragons. It's been around for about seven years. Uh, it's a group, like I said, of voice actors. Incredibly done. These people are seasoned actors. If you want to watch some amazing role-playing, uh, that's what it is. Their shows are like anywhere from three to five to six hours long because it's a session of D&D. There's three seasons. Uh, there's literally hundreds of hours. It's all free on YouTube if you want to watch. Uh, and they new episodes every uh, Thursday night, except for the last Thursday of the month. They take a, a week off. And, and they uh, do podcasts too. Yeah, and you can listen like to all on, on podcasts. Yeah, just listen to them. I don't think it's as good as this podcast. No, no, definitely not. Right? Like they're just playing D&D. Yeah. We're like talking about D&D. We're talking about D&D. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's good. You're totally right. Uh, if you are interested in Critical Role but are scared to take the dive because it's a commitment, like it is, like there's, I think, 120 something episodes in season one, and they already start with characters that are level seven in season one because they played a bunch of stuff before they started streaming. Season two has again another 130 or 140 episodes, and season three right now is, I think, about 25 episodes in. Each episode being three to five hours, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of viewing. So it can feel overwhelming. If you want a quick entry into this world and um, are interested in it, the Legend of Vox Machina, Vox Machina is the name of their first party, is on Amazon Prime. Uh, they managed to do a Kickstarter. It was one of the highest, most quickly done, funded, amazing, ridiculous, um, quick uh, Kickstarters ever done in the history. And they breached and went so far past their stretch goals is ridiculous. They are picked up by uh, Amazon Prime and they have three seasons of animated uh, shows coming out. The first season is fully available on Prime and it's from their first campaign, their first season. Superb. So good to watch. And if you are interested in Critical Role and don't know how to get into it, that's a quick entryway into it. And that's kind of cool. I know you're a big season one fan. Yeah. Yeah. Season one, uh, actually, like Matt Mercer was who gave me the confidence to be a DM. I was watching Critical Role and I was like, I, I want to do that. And like, it, honestly, like it was because of him. Um, season two, it seemed a little bit more staged to me. Like they're the first one. They were just learning D&D. The second season kind of seemed that they were acting a little bit more they aren't it's i think it's just the punk rock in me being like oh it's mainstream now 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 i don't like it you know but i still love it it's just i play too much DD to be able to watch four hours of it a week honestly <laughs> but no it is a it's an amazing show and they're all amazing people and they give so much money to charities and they're just awesome people it really is and your comments are valid that there it gets more and more polished as it goes along and the thing to remember, these guys are actors. They have amazing sense of ta of timing, right? Like you and I over talk each other, bounce around like idiots and whatever. These people know what to do and they know how to sit on something and then say it at the right time and all that stuff. But um, the third season, and this is kind of the thing I did want to chat about because I know there are some people out there that do watch and I'm not going to give any spoilers away or anything, but it's, it's a big thing on those shows and each season when it, in D&D and you have your group and your party is going at a certain point in that campaign, the party will get a name and that's what they refer to themselves as when they go places. If they're introduced, they'll be introduced as that party. It's a very common thing in the world of D and D for a, the group of players to have a name for their party. 
Um, in my homebrew campaign, we're in the world of Blackmore, which is a throwback to the early days of D&D. We talked about that on last episode, uh, the fantasy factoid. Um, and I wanted to pay tribute to that. So my world is also, uh, in my world, I've got a little town called Blackmore and that's where everything takes place right now. And, um, the idiots decided to name themselves the bastards of Blackmore. So that's what they get introduced as all the time, which is fantastic. Uh, in Critical Role, the first season, they were called Vox Machina. And, uh, in the second season, they were called the Mighty Nine. And Nine is like the German N-E-I-N or however you can pronounce that, right? Nine? Like nine. No. Nine? Like no. Um, and just recently in the third season, they've got a name for their group. And it's kind of a fun thing when it happens. Uh, they're called Bell's Hells. And uh, I don't know if you ever watched the um, after season one, uh, one shot they did called The Search for Grog. Um, in that, Travis, one of the players, plays a character called Bertrand Bell. And Bertrand Bell has a reappearance in season three of Critical Role. And he works with a party, and that's where they take the name Bell's Hells from Bertrand Bell's last name. So this just happened fairly recently, and they just released, this is not, we're not sponsored by them, but they just released their first shirt with the name of the party on it, Bell's Hells shirt, which was pretty exciting. So that was last week. I was excited about that, so I just wanted to mention it, but... Oh, that's awesome. No, man. And there's like, they have a huge fandom. Like Massive. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure critical role did more for five E than wizards of the coast did. Honestly. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. I think more than just about anything that that's what really exploded D and D. Yeah. I might not watch it anymore, but I respect the hell of what they did for the hobby. <laughs> totally. Uh, Mr. Jim, is there anything else in your mind that we wanted to touch on about anything new going on right now? Uh, we, we covered a lot of stuff. I could keep talking about Dragonlance all night, but I I can save that for another day. Maybe we can have just a whole Dragonlance segment. Yeah, talk might about have history. to. That'd be fun. Cool. Well, if that is good with you, my friend, I really had a fun time talking with you. Uh, I want to say just a big thank you to all of our listeners. Um, I believe we're up to 16 as of this morning, uh, which is exciting. And, uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm actually blown away and we keep joking and sending numbers back and forth to us. And it's just, thank you, everybody. I just think it's so phenomenal, the response. Um, you had indicated the other day we should do a special thanks out to uh, old Crow DM Chris because he's just been phenomenal, hasn't he? My man. Yeah, honestly, he gives us so much support and encouragement. and He's just a rad dude. He's been great. I mean, he literally went on to Apple and gave us a review and everything. Like, he, he's just been superb. So, so many of you out there have, and I mean, we shouldn't single one person out, but at the same time, Chris has been just phenomenal. But everybody, thanks so much. Just such great, you know, love and support. And it's just awesome. And thank you. And again, if you have any comments or anything you'd like us to talk about or anything, probably best through Instagram. Um, just check us out there. And uh, our handles are on our main page for this podcast on the RSS website. Check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else, buddy? Or are we wrapping up? Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah. Just with the, like what Chris did. Like, I hate to be that guy, but yeah, leave us a five-star review. The <laughs> The more encouragement we get, honestly, the longer this will go on for. So if you guys want us to keep doing this, leave those comments, leave those stars, message us. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah, we're really bad. We're not good at promotion, are we? We're supposed <laughs> to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's like those bad YouTube videos always have. Press this button and hit this bell and do this. And it's like, subscribe. Yeah, please do those things. Um, yeah, it sounds weird. I just, I know people will do it if they like it anyway. So it kind of yeah. sounds weird asking, but yeah, it does but help. It, it does. And, and, and you know what? Um, we love doing this. Like, it's just a giggle. And uh, a lot of you guys out there know that I um, have basically a small business running behind this, uh, but where I'm trying to, you know, make train for people and do whatever. But this actually for me has nothing to do with that. And I absolutely love that. I, I just, this is literally just about fun and getting to chat with you. It's taking our conversations that we used to have for fun uh, and having some of them on, on this little podcast. And so this is an escape for me when I get to do this, which is fantastic. So thank you, uh, Jim. And thank you everybody out there for the great support. Yeah, we put the fun in fungin. <laughs> All right, that, that's it for me. You guys have a good night. We're going to put the done in dungeon. <laughs> and we're finished. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Greetings, everyone. Jim and I realized that uh, 
it's not so easy to contact us. So for that reason, we've created a much simpler way for you. If you need to reach out to us, if you'd like to chat, give us some ideas or some feedback, you can reach us at crystalball at 13sideddie.com. Crystal ball, one word, 13 is one three, and the rest you can spell out, and we know it does look like Eddie. We're going to take that as a good omen. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Overrated, underrated. All right. Uh, what do you? Uh, what's first on your list? Dragons are underrated in D and You think you think they're underrated, not overrated? Yeah. I uh, I don't think that they're in enough campaigns, adventures. It's really funny because it's called Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but I think you're right. It's actually they're not around that much. And if a dragon hits the table, everyone goes bonkers. Yeah. Because they don't they don't see him that often. That's why I love Dragonline so much. I get you. I get you. All right, so we're going to gr- both agree it's underrated. Yeah. Okay. Lord of the Rings, the ring the ring <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Underrated or overrated? I am actually still going to say underrated, even though there's a lot of hype and there's way too much talk about it. Just watching some of those clips, I think it's going to be spectacular, and I don't think it's overrated at all. Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking overrated for those. I, uh, I don't have much faith in what they're going to do with it, but yeah, I hope you're right. I really do. Yeah, I think they're working with such little, actually, like the the, the, the rights they have to work with appendix and that kind of stuff is so small. It's going to be interesting how they pull something together. So I'm intrigued about that. I think there's way too much hype and there's way too much people talking about it and controversy, but I still think it's personally, I still think it's going to be, it's underrated. I think there's so much that can happen and I'm very, very optimistically, uh, you know, I'm going to try and be very optimistic about it and just be very excited and hope for the best. Yeah. I hope you're right, man. <laughs> All right, your next one. Uh, the Sword Coast, overrated. Yeah, you think so? So overdone. Uh, you ever see that meme where it's uh, the Forgotten Realms, but then there's a little, it's the Sword Coast is circled and it says the Remembered Realms. Right, yeah. Just, you know, Baldur's Gate, like uh, Wired Deep, that's where everything revolves around. They have that, the whole continent there and they'd never use any of it. It, it is true. Uh, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you on that one. Okay, we agree. Uh, my next one, online gaming for D&D instead of in person, the whole pandemic online gaming. Is it underrated or overrated? And I think in general, everyone's frustrated and tired and done with it. And a lot of people have started to get back together in gaming. Uh, we haven't. We're still playing digitally, remotely. And, uh, you know, I have some players that aren't in the same city as me, so it actually works well for that. And uh, I have a uh, family member who just caught uh, COVID the other day. So it's still certainly out there. And it's not something that I think, uh, I don't know. I don't think we're going to be playing in person anytime soon. So for that reason, I'm going to say that online gaming is underrated just so that I can keep going and smile. I uh, I would have to agree with you. I love playing online, honestly. And I have the whole fungin to play in and in, in person is awesome, but yeah, I love playing online. I find people can get together easier than when you're done. You just close the laptop. If you, people go look after kids or whoever, they they can be home to do that still while they're playing. We've actually played more games in the last uh, two years online than we did previous to that in person. It's just easier for people to get together. I can't wait till we're all in a room together. But like I said, you know, we're not even in the same location. So for you to be in the game, you know, you have to remote in. So I think, yeah, underrated, uh, just so we can keep our sanity. Yeah, agreed. All right, your next um, one. DMs using traps and dungeons is underrated. Ooh. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think a lot of DMs don't use that at all. What, what do you think? No. And like, it doesn't have to be a deadly trap, but a good trap can last as long as like a good encounter. And then uh, I find it puts fear into players from like uh fifth edition that they have builds that are hard to kill if you have a trap that can chop their arm off i don't it doesn't matter how hard you are to kill your arm can still come off yep. with that crazy uh chinese finger trap yeah yeah <laughs> for arms right i i i have at least one trap in any of my uh games of some sort that that you know kind of designed that you know the rogue is going to try and locate and uh you know 
uh, and then disarm. But I think they're they're so great. There's so much fun to put in, and you can, as a DM, you can kind of wear down those players a little bit with different traps, so that they're, because really, as a DM, that's kind of your job is to wear down your players, so when they finally get to a big battle, they're they're not totally fresh. Yeah, that's oh, definitely underrated. Cool. Okay, we agree. Dice towers, underrated or overrated, and. uh I'm a bit of the overrated. I'm not a huge dice tower fan. Uh, they're cool, but I find that in game they slow things down because everyone's trying to clickety clack their dice through it, and you know, and they can't always see what it is and etc. And trying, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. So for me, dice towers overrated. As the house uh, dice goblin, I'm gonna have to disagree and say that they're <laughs> underrated. I think everyone should have a dice tower at their <laughs> gaming setup. I do have one that I use as a DM. So over top of my screen, it's a wooden screen that I made. I do have one that is wood that goes all the way down into a little dice tray so that if I want to roll and have the players see it, I can actually drop it through the chute and it rolls out in front on the table to everybody. So that's, I think that's kind of a neat use of a tower. But yeah, other than that, I'm not a huge fan of them on the table. They take up space. They cut, they, they block things for looking at stuff. Overrated. Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. awesome cool that's yeah. everything right yeah yeah let us know if you guys uh, agree or disagree with us on any of these next time on 13 sided die so uh next podcast it worked pretty good last time because we talked about new stuff and then a whole bunch of new stuff magically came out when it came time to talk about new stuff. So that worked really good. Let's see if this time magically we can talk about something and it comes out or something happens. What What do you, are we, we going to do what we talked about last time? Uh, more Dragonlance books. Is that what we're wishing no, for? No, that wasn't what it was. No, <laughs> we'll do that in the future. No, okay. you had an idea last time and I think it was. Um, like DM tools and bringing immersion to the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. We put that one on hold. Why, why don't we pick that up and talk about uh, the things that we do to make the game more fun for our players to, to really get them involved into it and, and just kind of making it a bigger world. Yeah, definitely. And I had uh, someone message me on Instagram and told me that we should talk about snacks. So snacks. that'd be perfect in there. Snacks Favorite and snacks, snacks and D and D go hand in hand. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. I like it. Okay. So we're set for next podcast. Woo. See you guys then. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin Torture Device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs>